Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, hello and welcome to episode 105 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian here as always with Michaela. And Michaela, we have made it to another holiday season. December is upon us, the snow is falling, the trees are trimmed, and the eggnog is flowing. But how are you doing? You were traveling last week. What'd you get up to? I went to Puerto Vallarta in Mexico. I'd never been there before. I drank a lot of tequila, had some hmm. really interesting tequila tastings. It's really interesting i learned a lot about the different types of like uh you know the agave reposado all of the tequila things most of it um it made sense at the time but then i slept and i've forgotten <laughs> a lot of it but that's okay um yeah. I, I, feel like, I feel like a tequila tasting in mexico is not the ideal place to learn about tequila i feel like i feel like the tasting bit might over right. overtake the learning bit yeah so one of the things that i did want to talk a little bit about is if you'll remember a couple episodes back it was still halloween and we did we made a homemade uh very beautiful luster dust uh liqueur with blackberries and we infused that and mm -hmm. all of that and we used vodka as the base well <laughs> you can use tequila to make liqueur as well. And so um, one thing that we discovered or I dove like real deep into was all of these tequila based liqueurs. And so there's one that um, I wasn't able to actually find and get a bottle of and bring over back to the States, but um, I'm on the lookout for it. And it was fig liqueur with tequila, which sounds kind of strange, but if you like fig at all, even if you're, if you, even if you don't think you're a fig person, this stuff is amazing and um, they were out of it. And so hopefully they'll be able to ship me some and uh, we can have some early Christmas drink with it that we're going to have to make up. But that sounds really good. What I'm interested in now, uh, knowing about this luster dust trick, is put write this down. Get a get a piece of paper and write this down, Michaela. Next year we're going to do a green luster dust tequila and make that into like an ectoplasm margarita. It's going to be exactly like an ecto cooler uh, for from your high C days. It's going to be delicious and beautiful. But uh, we're getting way ahead of ourselves by like uh, ten months right now. What we need to do is we need to take a step back and get into holiday movie month because drink the movie started. Uh, with a Christmas movie, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Uh, and then the next year, you know, we did some more holiday films. We did How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and those are both Christmas classics, Michaela. And today we're talking about a classic uh, of the action genre. Uh, some people would say that it is a Christmas movie, like you. Some people would say that it is not a Christmas movie, like me. Uh, but we're going to have to get into all that after I drink. So we will be right back to mix up this week's cocktail and get ready to talk about Die Hard. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. 
Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. So this week, we have been invited to make drinks for the Christmas party at Nakatomi Plaza. And so we're going to serve up a Nakatomi Tower Bomb, a recipe that we found on Secret of the Booze. Secrets of the mm-hmm. Booze uh, is, for anybody who doesn't know, we have looked to them to guide us uh, many times here on Drink the Movies to find cool drinks. They are on YouTube. They're amazing. Um, and I think they were genuinely, like, super excited. <laughs> or maybe <laughs> they, they just had a few of these Nakatomi Tower Bombs at the point. They been- enjoying the Christmas party for sure by the time uh, they got around to making this one. But yeah, yeah Michaela, you you sent this recipe my way. Uh, we needed to do something. And this one's very theatrical. Um, it's very over the top, which is, you know, exactly how John McLean uh, would want to do a Christmas drink for sure. Um, but I don't know. When you, when you sent this to me, I was watching it. I was watching them make that. I'm like, there's no way that this is going to be good. Uh, it's it's not even possible. These ingredients, they don't go together. I don't even what, what are you even doing? What are you yeah. even doing with these ingredients? Uh, but let's let's get get uh get this party started so we're going to take a glass like a pint glass you're going to rim that with sugar and then you're going to throw some other ingredients in it michaela that's right you're going to start with roughly two ounces of sake roughly two ounces of cranberry juice and uh roughly two ounces of sparkling wine okay so (laughs) uh we say roughly because uh, the actual recipe, they just said, hey, you're going to put some of this in the glass. And we had to like <laughs> gauge it in the in the pint glass. So use yeah. it your discretion. OK, um, but you're going to fill that pint glass with that stuff. OK, and then you're going to take an ounce of peach schnapps, um, which, again, <laughs> this does not sound delicious at all. And you're just going to you're oh. going to create a you're going to take an ounce, put that in a shot glass, and then you're going to create a bomb. Now, the bomb part of a drink, uh, there's a bunch of bombs out there. There's a Jaeger bomb. It's probably the one of the most um, popular uh, bombs out there. The reason why they call it that is because you literally drop uh, the shot into the bigger glass and mm-hmm. then you can sip it or chug it. It's up to you. If it's something like um, the, the, the one that they make with Bailey's and Guinness, you have to drink it really fast or else it'll curdle. This is not one of those. You can sip this one if you want. Um, yep. we did <laughs> because yeah, it's a it would, lot of liquid. It would be, it would be hard to chug with that sparkling wine in there, uh, which is yeah. a, a rose, which is a rose wine. We used a uh, sparkling copa for that. Don't use uh, anything that costs more than $15. Uh, please. That is, that's our uh, one Christmas wish, uh, is that you go with something less expensive, but yeah, you put that in there, you drop in that peach schnapps and then you drink it. Um, and I have to say, Michaela, it is quite the pleasant surprise because I was expecting this to be terrible. Um, but you know what it was? It was pretty good. It is pretty good. Um, so it all kind of works. So obviously we have sake because Nakatomi, Mr. Nakatomi is uh, Japanese. So we wanted to pay homage to the whole tower. And uh, of course we did peach schnapps because schnapps is, I guess, German and Hans Gruber, who is the nemesis of all of the things he's supposed to be from Germany, um, I think, or is it Austrian? Yep. I don't yep. know. He's he's, uh, Hans. he's he's German, yeah. Is he German? That's what I okay. You got the sparkling wine, which is coming from the uh from a Christmas party, I guess. That's right. Uh, you might be having that. They're having some other uh extracurriculars at the uh at the actual Christmas party at Nakatami Plaza. Uh that's for sure. But, but yeah, you put this in there. And if totally if you don't want to do this as like a bomb uh kind of a drink, you could just put the peach schnapps in there and yeah. drink it. Uh this would probably be good over ice, uh too, if you just wanted to make, you know, kind of a regular old long drink out of it. But yeah, there's something 
like I was, I don't know. I was expecting it to be really terrible, but some reason like the, the sparkling wine and, and the cranberry and the sake get together and it's, it's, it's light and effervescent, like, cause the sake is so light. Um, it doesn't get in the way and the cranberry and the sparkling wine really play well together. Um, it kind of yeah. hits on those, those riper fruit notes. And then the, the peach schnapps just gives it a little bit of, of kind of umptiousness. It's not overly peachy. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, yeah. I really in, enjoyed this. I, I don't know when I would ever have these four ingredients just laying around, but if you happen to go ahead and mix one of these up. Well, until Die Hard became the Die Hard film, I bet people felt that way where it was like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to come together and bring Christmas and bombs and terrorists and vaults and locks and guns and, and, and overzealous FBI agents. I don't know how all of that is going to work, but somehow it does. It creates uh, an amazing Christmas action classic that we're going to talk about. It create it creates a movie that's for sure, and this creates a drink, and it is really good. So definitely, if you uh, if you feel so inclined or have these ingredients laying around, and and you might go ahead and mix one of these up. Let us know what you think about it, and uh, check out the website for pictures of ours and the uh, written instructions. But for now, Michaela, we need to go. We need to fly from New York to California uh, to go to a Christmas party to reunite with our ex, uh, and there's going to be some trouble along the way. We're going to have to deal with that, but we're going to need to take a break first. So let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back to chat about this week's film, Die Hard. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Spoiler warning for Die Hard. If you've not yet seen this incredibly heartwarming classic Christmas film, uh, you're in for a treat because we're going to talk about all the things. It's very heartwarming, especially the end. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And but we're going to talk about all the things. So if you have not seen it and you don't want us to tell you how it all ends uh, and it's 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 very explosive. um, You should press pause. You should go make yourself a Nakatomi Tower Bomb. You should go watch the film. Uh, You've had almost 35 years to do it. Um, And then you can come back and listen to the podcast and we can all chat about it. Yeah, and I feel like you might probably uh, just be able to guess how it ends since there were like 100 of these things. But this came out in 1988. It was directed by John McTiernan, uh, who had done Predator the year before. And then he came back to do another Die Hard film, Die Hard with a Vengeance, in 1995. And this stars, as everyone knows, Bruce Willis as John McClane. Uh, Alan Rickman is our German terrorist, Hans Gruber. And Reginald Vell Johnson is Sergeant Al Powell, the best sergeant around. Uh, for sure, for sure. He's our man on the outside, and uh, we're going to be talking about all that. But Michaela, uh, Christmas movie or not, uh, it was critically acclaimed, got four Academy Award nods, yeah. uh, sound, uh, editing, sound effects editing, and visual effects. Pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we really have discriminating tastes here at uh, Drink the Movies. We know, we know good films, and we know good movies. This is both uh, the Academy Awards agreed, so... There we go. Um, Now, what they didn't agree on was whether or not it was actually considered a Christmas film. 
Mm, that's right. Yeah, I don't know uh, if it is. It does take place at a Christmas party. So that is one feather in the cap for Christmas movie. But we're going to be talking about that after we uh, uh, kind of run through this thing a little bit. So we're going to pick up our story. We are with John McClane. He is in an airplane talking to a gentleman, tells him, uh, take off your shoes when you land, which is a weird thing to tell your seatmate in an airplane, I guess. But I'm not a big talker uh, myself. But he is on his way to California to reunite with his wife, mend some fences, uh, and, and, you know, get on getting on in California. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, uh, John McClane was a cop. He's still a cop back in New York. His wife, I guess, got this big job, uh, and it was going to take her across the world or across the United States. It's a long flight. I think that's why they start having the conversation about the taking off the shoes. Cause it's something like six hours or seven hours long, uh, from New York to, uh, to LA. And, uh, they didn't you know, have they, AirPods yet. So they to, didn't. They didn't. So what were you going to do? You were going to talk to people. And they, they're smoking as well on this flight. Mm. I was like, mm-hmm. what happened? Yeah. Wow. Uh, that's a that's a bad thing. That's that's a safety problem. But you know, you know what else is a bad thing is he gets up at the end of his flight and he reaches up and he pulls the world's most giant teddy bear out of the overhead bin. Uh, if I saw someone getting on in my flight with that, I'd be like, don't you're taking up all the overhead bin space. Yeah. John McClane. What are you Knock doing? it off, guy. Knock it off. Yeah. But this was back uh, when, they, you know, there were only two people sitting in a in a row instead of 30 you can check your bag for free right yeah this was this was back when uh when oh in the dream times in the before times when airlines didn't suck so but they did have smoking on the plane so maybe not i don't know so anyway john gets out of the air airport uh but he he sees a guy very well-dressed gentleman uh in a nice suit with his name and he has a ride in a limo ready to go uh he meets uh argon Ar- argon his name is argyle he's played by Tom argyle Roy. sorry and uh and, and he's close <laughs> and he and he's awesome so uh yeah he's going to take him he's picking him up in this limo that the the nakitoma corporation uh, or whatever the the business name is has, has sent a limo to pick up john mcclain pretty classy move i will say so he gets in uh they're there john mcclain says hey can we listen to some christmas tunes and argyle says no those are lame. We're going to listen to these bangers. Uh, so uh, Feather in the Cap for Not a Christmas Movie. Argyle doesn't even want to be bothered with Christmas. And why should he? Uh, I don't know. But they make their way to Nakitomi Tower. We are going to meet some people. Uh, we're going to meet uh, the the wife. Uh, not the ex-wife, still the wife. Uh, but for some reason is using her maiden name. Rubs John McClane the wrong way a little bit. And uh, uh, what does Holly have to say for herself, Michaela? Holly has to say nothing to him. She doesn't owe him anything. Uh, but apparently, true, true. you know, he, she has he, some. She shows him a little bit because she's talking to this super lamo by the name of uh, Ellis. But okay. that's okay. She's not talking to Ellis. Ellis is talking to her. Let's be real qu- clear about this. Even when he's like, I'm thinking like mold wine. I'm thinking like brie. I'm thinking like a fire. And she just looks at him like you are on the wrong planet for this <laughs> He's girl. been uh, um, he's been uh, he's been imbibing in too many lines of things off of desks. I think, yeah, that's yeah, what his that's, real problem is. That's true. Um, no, he, so they're having here. Here's where I think it, there's a slight problem with the plot, and we can talk about this because I know you are not you you are not on board with this being a Christmas film. But I guess it's Christmas Eve, and there it's like five forty at night. Uh, they're having a Christmas party and I guess it's a double party because they closed this big deal and everybody just is super excited, but people are kind of closing things down. They've got champagne out. Um, Ellis, as you are talking about, which 
I love him. Uh, he he's played by Hart Bachner. Um, he's super sleazy and so gross, but he does it so well. Um, he's like trying to uh make make eyes at at uh Holly Gennaro, and Bruce Willis kind of shows up. Um, Argyle says, Hey, if this isn't going to work with you and your ex, like, do you have a place to stay? And he's like, look, she just asked me to get on the flight. It's Christmas. I want to see my kids. I don't know how this is going to work. So Argyle being cool, being super cool was like, I'll just wait downstairs in Mm -hmm. the car. Uh, so he's like, you know, checking out on the, there's a CD player. (laughs) In this limo and he's so excited about it. And so he's hanging out waiting for Bruce. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, he's hanging out, listening to CDs, talking on the uh, phone in the limo, uh, which probably costs like a thousand dollars a minute. And he's on the phone the entire movie, uh, which I think is pretty awesome. Uh, But yeah, John McClane gets to this party. Um, We mentioned that it got nominated for the sound design. But one of the things that I noticed uh, that I thought was awesome is John McClane gets on the elevator because you're going up to the 30th floor where this Christmas party is going on. um, And he's in the elevator and it's all quiet. It's just kind of that ambient like elevator noise. And as he's getting there, you can hear the sound of the party like starting to like creep in as like you know the walls get thinner as you're coming up to the door and then you know the doors open and it's just like washing over you i thought that that sounded amazing um and so cool so uh you know a lot of action movies uh you know will get some nods for like sound effects because there's a lot going on but i thought that that one was really really cool so yeah. uh yeah he gets he gets to the party uh he meets the uh the president of Noctomi uh industries he meets the the wife they're chatting there but i guess he's you know Gonna gonna get cleaned up a little bit. It's a long flight from New York. It's Christmas Eve. Who has a Christmas party on Christmas Eve? Uh, for your work people, nah, that's that's mandatory fun going wrong right there. But uh, the party looks pretty fun. It's like every stereotypical party. There is booze flowing. Uh, there are drugs happening. People are hooking up in offices. Uh, I this is this is what a time to be alive at this Christmas party for sure for sure. But John McClane takes takes the advice from his seatmate. You know, uh, don't be jet lagged. Take your shoes off. Make little fists with your toes. Uh, that's that's gonna cure you of what ails you, and that's what he does. And he's like, "Wow, that guy, that guy was onto something." That guy was onto something. However, on something, now, on now, something, something. But now John McClane doesn't have any shoes on, and that is bad. That is bad uh, is because bad. this is when uh, there's a terrorist attack. And I gotta say, again, we're very we're unsurprised, I guess, that this one person with a gun can walk in to the very center of Nakatomi Plaza and like blow away the security guard like immediately. And this uh, other gentleman, who uh, Clarence Gilliard, he's uh, Theo. He is like not blown by he he doesn't this doesn't face him at all he's like oh you just shot this dude that's cool um they all kind of show up they just they, this this group of very angry german folks like descend on uh, the first floor of nakatomi plaza they get up to the 30th floor where the party's happening they start shooting everybody and everywhere they there's a bunch of craziness happening um bruce willis yeah. he's in the bathroom he uh is separated from all of this craziness and he doesn't have any shoes on when this happens and that's problem number one he that is problem number one yeah the problem number one is that these terrorists come uh they get in they shut down basically all the elevators and all the access and uh everything up to the 30th floor so basically everyone is kind of stuck at the top of this building uh which makes for a really interesting kind of kind of scene and kind of environment for this thing to to play out um and of course we're not surprised when the baddies get there because kind of in the lead up to this like three or four times it cuts to this uh i don't know like 
like delivery uh, truck kind of thing. And every time it does, like it plays the super dark, tense music, and you're like, oh, that's the bad guys right there. They're just they're rolling in. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna see them any any minute now. But uh, but yeah, they get there. John McClane is shoeless, but he is not rounded up with the rest of the hostages. He is an NYPD officer uh, with a plan, and by that plan, uh, it's to not get shot in the head uh, by Hans Gruber and his uh, minions there. So uh, kind of this next rest of the film basically is him uh trying to trying to keep one up on Hans Gruber right he's he's hiding in the shadows uh you know he's doing his best to apprehend or not apprehend to take out these uh terrorists kind of one by one um and that's kind of one of the one of the neat things right John McClane is kind of an everyman um and he's really pitted against kind of this environment uh that he's in which is kind of kind of similar in a way to what we saw um in Predator you know we mentioned that John McTiernan uh did that you know you're you're fighting against this uh, enemy, but you're also fighting against the uh, the location that you're at, and that is what John McClane is having to do. Um, and you know, it's pretty it's pretty fun in terms of an action film because you got a lot of one liners. Bruce Willis is a funny guy. Uh, the environment's cool. Um, it looks cool. Um, and there's there's a lot of really kind of cool and interesting ways that he's dispatching of these different uh, terrorists because the terrorists are there to break in and steal all the money, Michaela. That's yeah. what they're there for. Yeah, they're actually not terrorists at all. Turns out uh, they just want $640 million in untraceable bearer bonds. I don't know how much money that was 20, 35 years ago, but a that's lot. a lot of money now. Uh, a lot. So I, God, <laughs> it was know, enough to pay Argyle's phone bill. At least. It was enough to pay. <laughs> yep. Uh, so uh, Hans Gruber's there. He takes Mr. Uh, Nakatomi uh, into a room, says, hey, I, I need these codes uh, to open the vault. And uh, Mr. Nakatomi says no. It's Mr. Takagi, but Takagi. Sorry, sorry. Well, he's it's his building, right? <laughs> um, now, one of the things that I find really special about this action film because it's so smartly done. Um, so James Shigeta is uh, Mr. T Takagi, and he's so good in this opening scene uh, that where when John meets him, and we are told that, hey, number one, the building is not finished. There's a couple of floors that are still under construction. That becomes really important later. Number two, uh, talks about how amazing his wife, who is going by her maiden name, uh, how amazing she is and how um, her career has just taken off. She's like the number two at this entire company. I don't know how that happens in six months, but um, you know, he's very, he's really trying to ingratiate himself uh, to John McClane. Really cool guy. And when he's confronted with Hans Gruber and his list to his group of non-terrorist thieves, he says, look, you're just going to have to kill me. I'm not going to give you the code. I don't know why he makes that decision. Cause I would have given him the code. And so what does Hans do? Just says, okay, and shoots him. Now, this is a, a very, this is an adult film. This is not, this is not a film for kids and y'all can judge me later. But um, what I will say is the special effects are really good because this is a pretty gory film, but it's not gory mm -hmm. because you see tons of like, uh, I don't, I don't know. There's violent. I don't know how to really explain it. There's violence, but like, the, obviously when, Mr. Takagi gets shot, you don't see his face like explode or anything. You see the aftermath of what happens behind right. him when it happens. And it's very gory and it's very gross, but it's not um, egregious. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's it like, to, it's not it so a... over the top that it, it makes you shake your head versus today. I think there's so many things where it, it almost it becomes a, dis a distraction from what's actually happening in the movie. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely more rooted kind of in a in a realistic uh, tone as they're they're kind of playing this out. Um, and yeah, like you like you said, you know, some of these floors are unfinished, and you know, we're seeing a lot of uh, John McClane kind of running around these, hiding uh, from the bad guys. You know trying to trap them get in behind them uh do kind of all of these things because uh he knows that he needs to start taking these guys out he needs to stay hidden uh because that's really the only way that they're going to get out he tries to call smartly uh to the police uh but the phone lines have been cut of course so he ends up getting a radio from one of these guys and he goes to the emergency channel um and calls on this like open air frequency it goes to like the 911 operator and they're like uh you can't call us on this radio guy call us on the phone he's like you Stupidest are an idiot 911 operator on the planet she's Send like it. i'm sorry sir <laughs> you can't be on this line and he's like i know and she's like we're gonna have to report you and he's like i don't care and fi- yeah. and then there's gunshots and she's like oh that's really loud <laughs> let me call the police so she calls one police officer one yeah, that's Ugh. that's that's right. I love I love his line. He's like he's like I know to come down and arrest me. <laughs> you know, uh, show up here, someone. Um, but yeah, so they end up calling one police officer. It is uh, Reginald Bell Johnson playing Sergeant Al Powell. He is there uh, picking up some Twinkies for his pregnant wife, which is a very sweet thing to do. Uh, gotta love that. And he uh, goes outside and he looks over at Nakatomi Tower. Uh, this shot is amazing uh, because Nakatomi Tower is a real place. It's like the Fox Studio Building or something like that. I don't know. Um, but uh, it's just, it's this real place. So they're like having these lights flash up top and you know if you're just get a call to go look at that you wouldn't think anything of it but we know that it's the machine guns that are being shot uh this crazy stuff going on and this it looks amazing i love it love the way that it looks so much but you know sergeant al he goes he drives by he's like there's nothing going on here because everyone's up 30 floors up can't see anything uh he goes into the lobby he's talking to the gentleman sitting there at the uh security desk uh who was a plant you know hans gruber's uh guys there and you know he tells him go ahead and, and walk around and uh you know al does he does a little bit of investigating he's like yeah nothing to see here nothing to see here i'm gonna go back out to my car i'm gonna radio in and say that there's nothing uh how do you how do you get attention someone that's 30 floors below you, you throw a dead guy on top of their car. That's going right. to do it 10 times yeah. out of 10. And it worked. I mean, I will say uh, it it totally worked. This police officer, uh, he's amazing. He was on his way home uh, to his pregnant wife, and he was like, it's going to be fine. I mean, halfway through this, you think that something horrible is going to happen to him because, of course, the person behind the desk is the terror is one of the terrorists uh, because the dude that was behind the desk is now dead. And uh, he's like, yeah, hold on. Uh, you can have a look around, but uh, it's going to take a minute. And he's like, man, screw this. I'm going home. I'm going to go home to my wife. It's Christmas Eve. Uh, luckily, the body, the body uh, makes him change his mind now. Uh, but then you're terrified because all of these... Um, all of these shooters are up at the top of the building. They're shooting down on the cop. Uh, he like backs in reverse and he ends up like backing his car out over some shrubs down like a runway. Um, yeah. He crashes it backwards and he gets out and he's like, oh my gosh, I need help. And I need help right now. So he calls for backup. Finally, more people show up uh, and start to give this the uh, attention that it should have yeah but john mcclain's done a good job of uh cutting down the terrorist numbers right um, yeah that's right yeah sends one down the elevator shaft with like a christmas hat on takes away all his guns so now he has a machine gun he's very excited um hans gruber is getting more and more annoyed um because it's going to take some time for the tech guy theo to 
get all of the codes that are needed because there's like five or six of these special codes that are required in order to open the vault. So that's going to take like two and a half hours. So mm-hmm. right now they were really hoping they could just sit and wait and they'd be in and out before any of the police showed up. Well, the police have now been definitely called and um, his people are being pinged off by John McClain one by one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Hans Gruber was running on a timeline. Um, he was expecting the cops to come, which I think is really interesting um, because that was part of his plan. But unfortunately, uh, John McClain has gotten them there early. So it has really uh, kind of advanced the timeline here. Um, so one of the one of the more neat and interesting aspects of this is you have John McClain. He's running around this building uh, completely by himself, but he's picked up a radio from one of the uh, terrorists that he's dispatched. So he's able to talk to Hans Gruber and he's able to talk to uh, Sergeant Al on the outside. Um, so you get some really kind of neat um, interactions, you know, kind of between the three of them, because otherwise it's just Bruce Willis just cracking wise with himself for the whole movie. So it's kind of this this back and forth where he's talking, you know, more seriously with Al, uh, which is nice. And they're learning a little bit more about each other. There's a really cool scene where, um, you know, John McClane is trying to take care of his uh, very wounded feet, uh, which looks very painful and terrible. Uh, if you have ever uh, cut your foot, not good. And he cut his foot about as bad as you, uh, one could hope to cut it. And they're they're having this conversation about, you know, Sergeant Al was, you know, he's working a desk now. He's on the street, uh, accidentally uh, shot a kid, which is terrible. Um, you know, and basically he's riding out his days, you know, uh, now at the police department and John's talking to him about being a father. It's all all this really cool stuff. And then on the flip side of that you have him talking with hans you know trying to kind of work one another out uh john seems like a smart cop really kind of has hans figured out uh hans is learning more and more about john as they go and he learns a lot about john from that stupid ellis character who just turns up he thinks he's going to be like an ally to hans gruber what are you thinking guy knock yeah. it off yeah he's like i think i can deal with this euro trash okay i do billion dollar deals for breakfast and he's wrong um and he should have really known when Hans Gruber had like didn't even didn't even blink when Mr. Takagi was like, just shoot me. I'm not going to give you a code. You'll just have to figure it out. He was like, all right, cool. Um, So Ellis says, you know, hey, I know the guy. I invited him to the party. Doesn't tell him that his wife's there. And that's really important um, because Bruce immediately is freaking out uh, because, of course, Hans like we have one of your friends and they're on the phone and. And Ellis is like, hey, I said you were my friend. I mean, and you need to really stop doing this. You need to you need to quit. Let the police handle it. Let let, let the FBI handle it. They'll do the negotiations. And he's really arrogant until Hans Gruber pulls out a gun and he's like, he's really going to shoot me. And, and John's like, I told you, you can't tell them that you know me because they're going to think that I will break and bend and I I don't know you. So I can't. Um, I'm going to have to let you die. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it's real, it's real. (laughs) He's drinking a Coke and he's realizes his eyes get real wide. I, I mean, Hart Bachner, he's been in a couple films that I just love. Um, it's real Christmassy. It's real Christmassy is what it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. And kind of us as the audience, we're right there with John. You assume when Ellis is talking to him that, uh, he's going to spill the beans to Hans that John's wife's down there and Hans is just going to go grab her. And then John's going to be like, okay, I, 
<laughs> I I surrender immediately, right? Um, right. but that that's not what happens. Uh, I guess you know Ellis decides to keep that card in his uh, front pocket, and he uh, holds on to it a little bit too long. But uh, yeah, there's there's some fun stuff like uh like the lower third of the building explodes because John McClane throws a bomb down the elevator shaft, which looks really cool. Um, he, he's picking these guys off one by one until kind of then we're left at a head. So Sergeant Al has been kind of holding the local police off at bay as good as he as good as he can right you know he doesn't really have any sort of authority but he's like let you know john seems you know the only things we know about what's going on are what john's told us let's let him you know keep riding this thing so you have kind of the kind of the cops there the fbi is coming in to take over uh hans gruber is getting more and more annoyed and uh basically we're getting this vault uh finished up there are like seven stages of this vault and uh kind of this hacker safe cracker guy theo can get through like the first six but he's going to need some help on the seventh uh, because it is electromagnetic, Michaela, and you can't beat that. But if you turn off the power, that could. And there's only one way to cut the power that Hans knows. Let's have the FBI do it for you. That's Easy right. Peasy. Easy peasy. So, uh, which puts him in the crazy, not stupid category. I just want to point that out. Um, <laughs> and so, of course, that's what he uh, figures out. Uh, you know, the FBI is fighting with the city trying to shut off the grid. Um, and they do it. And it's uh, really stupid. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, they're trying to figure out who this John McClane guy is. They don't have, they have his name, but they don't, uh, Hans Gruber doesn't know who he is. And he's really mad uh, because, yeah, you know, Ellis was no help. Uh, Ellis didn't get him to stop. Um, Hans is trying to find, uh, go through all of the list of people at the party to see who brought him, who he, who he is. Um He's out. Uh, Hans Gruber actually goes out and is uh, looking around and he ends up coming face to face with John McClane, but he doesn't know that it's him at first. Um, well, John McClane doesn't know that it's Hans Gruber at first because <laughs> Alan Rickman puts on this really awful American accent. It's the worst one I've ever heard. And he, and yeah. I think it's by design because Alan Rickman's amazing. He wouldn't do it. Um, <laughs> he wouldn't do it unless that's it's supposed to help you kind of help John kind of clue in that this guy is not uh, actually uh, Bill Clay or whatever he says his name is, but he's like, yeah, yeah one of them. You want, don't <laughs> kill me. Don't kill me. Yeah. So, so Alan Rickman is an all time great 10 for 10, 10 for 10 in this movie. That's right. uh, but he does maybe the worst German accent and the worst American accent uh, in a movie uh, for sure uh, right here. But, but yeah, they meet uh, John McClane luckily gets kind of the one up on them. And then they, then he knows like who is who, uh, but all this stuff is coming to a head. And like I said, the, the FBI is raining in on the building. Uh, they're, cu they're cutting the power. They're trying to send everyone up to the roof. Uh, they, they have the roof is set to to explode when everyone uh gets up there uh which which seems like bad news john figures this out he does this there's this really cool scene where he throws himself off of the roof uh with a uh, fire hose tied to yourself which doesn't seem safe but i guess what are you going to do i get really cool then his bloody feet like are like smashing into this window so you get these big like streaks of blood as he's like shooting it out and trying to trying to get in there but you know we kind of are finally coming to a head hans gruber has figured this out he's figured out enough he figures out that holly uh is the wife of john mcclain he grabs her and says john enough is enough knock this out off i want my money and we're getting out of here leave me alone uh i got the one up on you now yeah uh and so everyone's on the roof uh but gruber keeps holly with him right um john mcclain's he he kind of moves the hostages from the roof just before everything detonates and the whole idea is that this this is where 
it really becomes something that they build on in later, you know, diehard films is, is who was Hans Gruber and he, cause he was so much smarter than we give him credit for at the beginning. And it turns out that he not only wanted the FBI to be called, he needed them. He actually needed them to turn off the power, but then mm -hmm. he needed uh, them to let him negotiate and bring all the hostages to the roof so that when he blows the roof off, all the hostages die, which is really awful, but they also will think that uh, something went wrong and all of the terrorists are also dead. And that's really great because that leaves Alan or Alan Rickman's character, Hans Gruber, and all, all everyone that's left that hasn't been killed by John McClane to go uh, sitting on a beach earning 20%. That's what he wants. Um, but it doesn't go that way because McClane finds Holly and Gruber and the remaining henchmen, almost all of them, and uh, uh, McLean surrenders. He's like, okay, fine, fine. Um, but uh, he has a uh, secret gun on him because he was a cop. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, he has he has a, his, and it's the one his... gun he hasn't shot yet. <laughs> yeah, he's got, he has that gun on him. Yeah, that's right. And we know that he had his gun on him because you see it in that very first scene um, when he's getting off of the airplane. And you can see it underneath of his jacket. So he's had this kind of this uh, pistol on him the whole time. And he's got it like taped to his back, uh, you know, as he's running around there. And, uh, you know, he he, you know, kind of surrenders to Hans, but then is able to to shoot him. And you get that really kind of famous scene of Alan Rickman, you know, falling out of the this very high rise uh, building and, and falling down. So and then, you know, uh, Everything, everything is good. I guess Hans Gruber has been dispatched. Everyone is safe. They're uh, finally able to get out of the uh, building. I guess they turned the elevators back on. Probably not. They probably made them take stairs, 30 flight stairs, a lot of stairs. Uh, but they get down there. Uh, John McClane and Al finally meet face to face, which is really awesome as they've kind of built this uh, friendship over the, the course of this past two hour uh, adventure that we've been on and they finally get to to meet one another he meets holly uh you know they talk about you know <laughs> being good dads and uh how you know happy they are to to finally be meeting uh everyone uh but there is one uh henchman uh carl i think is his name uh left alive who comes out to make one last uh desperate stand in the name of uh hans gruber and that 640 million dollars but but luckily sergeant al powell is there uh and is able to dispatch him uh meanwhile uh Argyle uh, finally decides he, he's had enough waiting around and decides that now is the time to leave the parking garage and Nakatomi Tower. Uh, and <laughs> and yeah, everyone is free to go about their Christmas. Uh, mission accomplished, John McClane. Mission accomplished. And then Thank we you. hear... Merry Christmas. Let it snow. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. Over the credits. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's now it. Christmas. It's almost Christmas Day. Everybody, yeah. I mean, uh, everybody except the bad guys are still alive. I mean, you know, it's it's all good. Everything's all, everything's fine. It's and all good. Everything looks like is Holly fine. and John are now gonna make up. Um, you know, one thing I do really like about this is they they we hear them arguing. We see them argue one time, um, and then he, John, when he is up uh, in the bathroom, kind of getting cleaned up, and he's. He's having a go at himself. He's like, why did you do that? That wasn't mature. Like you came all this way because you wanted her to know that you missed her and you are trying to figure this out and work it out. And that, you know, that, you know, she, she you know, the reason he didn't move to New, he didn't move from New York to LA was because he didn't believe she could do it. And that's really hurtful um, because mm -hmm. she has been able to do it. And he was just really proud and just a, a big jerk. And instead of saying all of that, they got in this big argument again because he got it again. His his 
uh, insecurities up because now she's going by her maiden name. And she didn't even, she tried to explain to him that, you know, in a Japanese corporation, she figured that that was a cultural thing. I don't know if that's actually true or not, but that's what she said. I mean, and so I love how he's talking to himself this whole time about Mm -hmm. this, you know, in, and then when the terrorists come, he stays in the bathroom. He has that service weapon. He can go out, but he sees that there's so many of them that he would never be able to uh, get all of them and keep everyone safe. So that's why he continues to kind of hide and make a better plan. And But the whole time he's like, why are you out there? Because you don't want to die. I don't want to, but I want to, I want to, ha-. like, he's just talking to himself the whole time. And I just love it um, because it really humanizes him. And it's something that they do carry on throughout the next couple of thousand diehards that are out there. Uh, that's right. Yeah. So uh, Christmas is saved. Everyone is uh, good to go and good to go for the next one. Because like you said, Michaela, this spawned a, a lot of stuff. So Die Hard made, I don't know, roughly $140 million on like a $30 million budget, which is a lot of money, um, especially in the 80s. So of course, they're going to crank these things out. We had Die Hard 2 came out in 1990, Die Hard with a Vengeance in 95, Live Free or Die Hard in 2007, and A Good Day to Die Hard in 2013. Uh, but this made, you know, it made an entire franchise off of this book that was written by the name of uh what was it called it's uh, nothing lasts forever uh so this book became a movie which became this whole franchise uh but more importantly it really kind of gave bruce willis uh to the world as kind of i don't, I don't know like it, it amplified his career because he was doing moonlighting at the time which was kind of this comedy uh romantic comedy kind of a thing that he was doing but most people didn't think that he had any real depth to him other than that and you, you see a lot of that in in die hard the way it's written is written you know, he wasn't he wasn't the first pick, but once he was picked, it was written very much for him to make these kind of these more jokey kind of quips to it. But it also gave him a level of depth that gave him a level of, um, you know, uh, bravado, I guess, in a time mm-hmm. that uh, these action movies were all the rage. You know, we mentioned uh, Predator, but, you know, you also had like like the Rambo films, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Like this was this was like the way of like the the mid to late 80s. Right. These action uh, heroes that became kind of larger than life. And this really propelled uh, Bruce Willis uh, in, into that kind of yeah. role and you know kind of kind of pinned him in there and I, he came back and did all of those diehard films uh so yeah yeah no he i mean the character of john mcclain i think is really um he's like this every man who's likable and he's from new york so he's hard as nails but he's not unlike arnold schwarzenegger sylvester stallone jean-claude van damme he's not like this super uber overbuilt muscular yeah. guy i mean he's he's a good-looking guy um, but we see him age. He ages really gracefully. Um, you know, he's not one of those people that's still trying to hang on and he shaves his head, I think, by the third film. Um, yeah. And he just kind of, you know, his relationship with his wife uh, doesn't end up making it. They really try to hold on the for the first two or three films. Spoiler um, for the Die Hard then, franchise. Oh, yeah, yeah, they don't make it, guys. <laughs> they don't make it. But he loves his kids. His kids grow up. They end up being in, in the fourth and fifth one or the fifth and sixth one, something like that. Um, I don't know. I really think that that this there's a reason why people watch it and there's a reason why people feel like it's a Christmas movie. Not only is it because it truly is a Christmas movie, but um, because it's a fun action film to watch over and over again. And um, we see that the Academy saw it. That's why it was nominated for all the things that it did really well. Um, The, the amount of glass and the amount of glass breaking that they had to 
uh, probably do in some sort of crazy sound studio. Uh, it, it alone is pretty astounding. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, six hundred and forty million dollars worth of glass was broken for sure. Um, but yeah, you make a you make a good point in that John McClane is kind of an everyman uh, sort of a thing. Right. Like you're watching you're watching this and I know that I'm never going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger fighting a predator in a jungle. I would die in a half a second, but I could be John McClane and sneak around uh, for a little while and maybe maybe a trick a guy. I, I could maybe do that. Right. Yeah. So so you kind of would see yourself in that. And yeah, like you mentioned, Michaela, this became um, I don't I don't know when it would have become a Christmas staple for people, uh, but I know that it definitely is. It is a Christmas staple for you. It is not a Christmas staple for me. Uh, it's not a Christmas staple for Bruce Willis because he he says, not a Christmas movie. Also, uh, this movie came out in July, uh, which is not Christmas time. Uh, so another feather in the cap for not Christmas movie. But a lot of people really hold it as Christmas movie uh, because some of the characters hum some Christmas tunes throughout the film. <laughs> True. But um, there is a nice I, tree. I Nakatomi see. Tower does have a really nice Christmas tree. It does have a nice tree. Here's the thing. Die Hard 2 uh definitely a christmas film it comes out uh it came out in july as well but it happens at christmas again it solidified it um it's i don't know my tradition around uh this film it was always putting up my own christmas tree um i would always uh depending on who i was with and the family that i would that i had around me at the time um i would watch different films and i don't know probably my first time coming home from college um, my dad was like, well, why don't you put on Die Hard? It's a Christmas film. And we would put up our tree. Um, and it was great because the film is actually really long. It's like two hours and 12 minutes, very long <laughs> for an action film. Um, yep. But it's really well done. It doesn't feel super long when you're watching it. And the good thing is, is it does give you that extra, you know, 45 minutes to finish all the trimming of the tree. Um, but that's it. We have only that amount of time. That's the tradition. We have only that amount of time to decorate. Once that film is ended and we're here in, Bob Saget sing <laughs> Let It Snow or whoever it is do it. You're, you're done. We're done. Or else I'd no, be there all day. No, that's right. Yeah, that's why I got nominated for the uh, best film editing because the uh, Academy were avid uh, tree putter uppers and they needed the extra time to uh, right. to get that put in. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've never really viewed this as a Christmas movie other than uh, you see a lot of people say that it is yourself included and you'll see, you'll see a lot of like debates online. It seems like every year there's always some stupid article from some clickbait website that's like is die hard christmas movie and it's it's this whole thing but i never really viewed it as such and therefore i haven't seen die hard very many times i've seen it probably four or five times but it's a really good uh action film whether it's a yes. christmas movie or not it's a really good action film yeah. um it's got some plot holes but it's 1988 what what did it no i mean come on uh let's let's be serious and also it leaves the teddy bear in the car you fly that thing all the way from new york to California to leave the bear in the car. Come on, take that, take that with you. That could have been useful in fighting crime for sure. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, let us know at home what you think about Die Hard. If you think it is a Christmas movie, um, or not. If you make a Nakatomi Tower bomb to have with, uh, you know, while you're watching Die Hard, putting up your own Christmas tree or not. If you're watching it in July, uh, that's okay too. Let us know. Take pictures. Uh, send us videos of you uh, dropping that little shot glass of peach schnapps into your drink. Uh, we want to see all that stuff. And you can see pictures and the video of ours on our website, which is drinkthemovies.com. And you can tag us and all that stuff on our social media, which is uh, Instagram and Twitter. It's at drinkthemovies and on facebook.com slash drinkthemovies. Uh, like I said, go to the website, get the recipe, make one up and tag us. And Michaela, after they get done, you know, rescuing Christmas, 
I guess, uh, where should they be going uh, to make sure that they're uh, subscribed to the podcast? You can find us almost everywhere now. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Stitcher, we're on Good Pods, anywhere where Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Um, you can find us and you should find us when you find us, you should subscribe because we do two drops a week. Um, they're really fun. We do our lobby bars on Tuesdays. We do our deep dives on Thursdays. Um, we do a lot of drinking. We do a lot of watching movies. We do a lot of talking about all the things, um, especially this time of year. It's, it's, it's the holiday season. We're going to be doing a lot of really fun holiday stuff. So, um, you know, subscribe if you're really liking what you're hearing. And it seems like a lot of you are, which is really humbling and amazing for us. Um, you know, leave us a five-star review, tell your friends. Um, we're excited and we're so great. This is the best job in the world. I can't believe we do this. Uh, and, but I say we, I mean, mostly Brian, Brian does all the hard work, but, um, this is amazing. We really are excited. It's our second Chris, third Christmas season. Um, that we've, uh, that we're able to cover films and cocktails. So yeah. That's, That's where right. you can yeah. find us. We'll be up to our own 12 days of Christmas after uh, after this Christmas season uh, gets over for sure. And we're going to be continuing on with our holiday movie month next week. And we're talking about another film that's basically the same uh, as this film, uh, except take out John McClane, add in Kevin McAllister. And we're going to be talking about all things Home Alone. But for now, Michaela, uh, we better mix up another one of these uh, Nakatomi Tower Bombs. The Christmas party is winding down. Uh, I'm sorry to say, but that's okay. We'll we'll do one more of these drinks, and then we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back to talk to everyone next time on Drink, drink the, movies. the Movies. Yippee-ki-yay.